0: What is up, everybody? Welcome to Overtime, episode thirty-three. That's uh crazy. Yep. If this, if it were thirty-three years, um, this podcast would be as old as Jesus was when Jesus walked the earth. So um, that's
1: right. So, little little but fun fact feet. for you all. <laughs> so I guess, I guess it's different.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, well, hey, my name's Christian. I'm on staff at the CLC, and today we have Ben with us, who's going to be sharing a good bit more about his sermon this last weekend, facing the Giants, uh, facing your Giants, sorry. Um, but before we jump Gosh, into that- man, you yeah. already
1: jacked it up. I had We're one just two job, into
0: this. One job, and I could not deliver. It's <laughs> even right here in my notes. This is Facing Your Giants, really cool title, Jealous. Literally says that, um, but apparently I don't know the title very well. Um, but before we jump into that, we just wanted to talk about a couple quick things for you guys. Um, so as, as you know, uh, usually overtime takes place on Tuesdays, but right now it's Thursday at noon, and we wanted to explain a little bit why it is that we're doing it today. Um, as you all probably know, there's been a lot happening in our nation lately, and uh, we as a church kind of felt um, felt that it was important for us to lean into Christ's invitation to mourn with those who mourn and to speak out against evil when it's witnessed, right? And so on Tuesday, it was a Blackout Tuesday, um, where a lot of people, companies, artists, Um, just went silent on social media to stand in solidarity with uh, those who are mourning. And so we kind of made the call that morning to postpone uh, overtime to today. And so that's why we didn't do it on Tuesday. Um, But we do invite you, uh, Pastor Josh got on uh, Tuesday night and then last night, Wednesday night, to share a bit about our church's uh, stance uh, and a good approach perhaps to uh, respond to Um, what's been happening in our nation. So with that, I invite you guys to check out our Facebook page. You can visit uh, facebook.com slash clcfamily.church to see those videos uh, that Pastor Josh shared, some thoughts regarding all that's been happening. And they were really, really good. So I really invite you to go check those out. And uh, in addition, kind of shifting gears a little bit, uh, Josh also kind of uh, laid out a plan and a vision that we have as a church to begin moving into this phase where we get to see each other in person. So it won't have to happen over this computer screen. Well, I mean, <laughs> it'll still happen on the computer screen. We'll still have our pre-recorded yeah. services. And Ben and I and whoever's on overtime will still be coming to you via a computer. But uh, on 1030 on Sunday, we have a drive-in service. So uh, we'd love for you guys to join us for that. We're still maintaining social distancing and doing all of that stuff. Um, but to learn more, we uh, shared some pretty uh, in, we, a lot of details regarding this because there's so many moving parts. You can visit the church website to learn more. Just go to clcfamily.church slash drive-in service. All one word. And all of the details are there for you. And if you have any, any questions, yeah. you can email us at info at Family. But I think that's all I have to
1: say about that, Ben. Did
0: you have yeah. anything you wanted to add? I, I feel
1: like I do. I have a ton of thoughts just with everything. Um, yeah, wow. We, what a... a an interesting time that we're in not only with COVID-19 and kind of the reality that we are, but also, um, just the the racial divide that's within our nation right now and and kind of going back to Tuesday's thoughts. Like we agree, we wanted to kind of uh, be silent. It felt a little bit strange to just kind of continue on as normal, like nothing happened. Um, and just kind of continue on with that when the reality is that our nation, um, I'll say our nation, our entire nation is grieving. And so I I know that this podcast probably hits people on both sides of an, of an argument and we're not looking to propel any argument, Mm -hmm. but what we are trying to do is just kind of recognize that there's, there's an injustice that was done and we stand in solidarity solidarity with speaking out against that injustice. And, and uh, I would, I do want to comment to kind of Sunday on Sunday while we did, the the message the message was recorded on friday so basically what happens is friday about midday i recorded the message um, and then what i felt like is that while obviously with george lloyd's death and his passing that happened on monday there was time in there but then what happened is that i feel like that continued to pick up momentum not only just that there's other been you know other things that have happened that only continue this this divide of our nation is kind of pulling apart. So what happened is on Friday, we have a lot to share. I had 55 verses that I was planning on mm-hmm. going through had been kind of preparing for that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and even through Thursday kind of preparing for that content as well as the information about the upcoming service. That, that was the first time that we were announcing the drive-in service. So there was a lot of content. And then what I felt like on Fridays as I finally had margin to be able to kind of read and honestly watch the video of George Floyd's death and, and kind of wrap my mind around it, man, Friday was a very difficult day. It was, it was emotionally um, exhausting because there was a, there was a ton of different emotions and feelings within me. And so as we got to the recording, to be honest, it was, it was hard to kind of try and stop or gather my emotions to be able to say, okay, well, I've got to record this. And then what I feel like happened is that over the weekend with the protests and um, the, um, uh, the demonstrations that happened, things continued to amp up. And so really, I think if I could go back in time, I'd probably address them even more than what I did on that Friday. Um, but the reality is, is that as as a white man, like I, I hadn't had a chance to talk to um, my brothers and sisters that are black and didn't really get a chance to wrap my mind around it because I was, focused on studying in the direction that you're going. Now, I hope that doesn't sound like an excuse. It's not what I'm trying to do, but just try and lay some context and some groundwork, because I think for some people as they watched it over the weekend, whether that was on Saturday or on Sunday um, at nine or ten forty-five, or maybe even over the weekend that I would understand if somebody watching that would say, well, why did we speak more to it? And I honestly, I think that that's a valid thought and a valid question. So I feel like I, I in this moment, I'm kind of speaking to that saying, Hey, I get it. And I think that just, where i was where i where i finally had the margin to be able to to see kind of what was happening and i'm not one for social media all that much like i will occasionally get on but on friday i was able to see and kind of get a feel for where things were at and actually pay attention to some of the news stories uh that were there and it it just it had an impact on me and then it continued to get bigger i feel like over the weekend so i just wanted to say that we this was a decision that we came to and we feel like that it, there was an injustice. And the only thing that I know to do when I feel powerless, because that's really what I felt on Friday. Is that I felt completely powerless. Like I don't have any control in the situation. I'm angered because of this situation and heartbroken over the situation, but I don't know what to do. The only thing that I know to do is to bring whatever I'm facing to bring that to God. And so that's what Sunday's attempt was is to just kind of say, God, would you, thinking of Jeremiah 29, 11, um, like, would would you heal our land? Would you hear our prayers? And would you heal our land is ultimately the goal. So yeah, I just wanted to speak to that a little bit and just kind of mention that if you were one of the people that were going, hey, why didn't we speak a little bit more to that? Uh, big part of that is because Friday is when we recorded and just uh, Friday was the first day that I actually could start to wrap my mind around what was going on and see what of what was happening. So I don't know if that was needed and that was a long explanation, but um, just feel like it is important for us as a church to be able to speak out and understand what's happening within our culture, what's happening within our, our context. So yeah. anyway, I thought you did a great job of transitioning everything. And then I just brought us back right, to right. that. So Yeah.
0: Well, I'll add one yeah. more thing. And I think in addition, like uh, one thing that we've been talking through as the staff is um Really, we have a, a role to listen and to learn. Uh, and I think we all need to like yeah. lean into that, um, listen to stories of people who are mourning and grieving and, um, yeah, and uh, work through that with them. And I think Christ calls us to that when he says, mourn with those who mourn. And so um, we're trying to do our best to work through that. Maybe we won't do it perfectly, um, but we have a gracious God who helps us learn and listen. So hopefully uh, we'll kind of all lean into that over the next
1: few yeah. weeks and months and- as we continue on. And just one last thing that I would say is that it's, it's very interesting for me now. Um, I think most of the church knows at this point I received, my wife and I received a foster placement at the beginning of April. Yeah. Um, incredible young lady, love her to death, de- and she is a minority. And so even that brings a new sense of like, uh, how do I have these conversations? Like, how do I talk about race even within my own home? So it's 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 an interesting place to be at. I just feel like God is doing, God is doing the work within me. I pray that He's doing the work within you. That as we see this, that we have to acknowledge and understand that there's some injustice that's been happening and continues to happen, and and I think that we, especially those that are not minorities, we have to make a stand and be able to say that that's not not okay. And until we start to speak up and, and stand up, then then change may not happen. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So we appreciate, uh, once again, if you haven't, we would invite you to check out those videos that Josh, uh, shared. He kind of goes at length yeah. about what it looks like or how we can respond as a church to some of these things. And so we appreciate you guys journeying with us through all of that as well. Um, so for today, uh, episode 33 of overtime, um, Ben kind of, uh, we were doing some standalone sermons the past couple of weeks. In this last weekend, uh, Ben did a sermon called Facing Your Giants. That's the right <laughs> name to it. Really cool title. Really jealous I didn't think of it first. And uh, he shared from 1 Samuel 17 of this story that most of us have probably heard in some capacity or another uh, David and Goliath. Um, and so, Ben, I'll just invite you, could you give us, uh, for those who are, might be listening who maybe haven't heard that story yeah. or need a refresher, what is the story of David and Goliath about? Uh, if you wouldn't mind sharing that, then we'll kind of dive a bit deeper.
1: Yeah, uh, and I would always encourage you, I feel like, you know, the book's always better like than the movie, yeah. and uh, the book's always better than my explanation of it, so I would encourage you to read First Samuel chapter 17 to get the best information, but basically what we see is, this young shepherd boy um, go against this this Philistine giant who um, it says that he was about nine foot nine nine foot nine inches tall so it's basically this this one army this Philistine army is going against the Israelite army which is God's chosen people this Philistine warrior comes out and says hey why don't you send your best to come fight me kind of the best of the best fight each mm-hmm. other and for 40 days, the Israelite army is just silent. Like they're just scared and dismayed and terrified. And for 40 days, this giant taunts and teases and harasses the the Israelite army. And then one day, this shepherd boy, David, who eventually becomes the king of uh, Israel, as we kind of read through the rest of First and Second Samuel, um, he shows up. He hears it. He's really got a different perspective is probably what my argument would be, is that while they the Israelites were afraid and terrified, David hears it and David's offended. He's angry that this Philistine would speak against God's people. He would speak against even God himself by Goliath defying the armies of God. He was ultimately defying God himself. And so David comes with a different perspective and ultimately he fights Goliath and he wins. And it's an incredible story that I think that a lot of times we look at as maybe one of the just children's stories. Mm-hmm. Like, you've probably heard the story of David and Goliath in Sunday school, or if you didn't go to church, uh, maybe in a sports analogy, right? There's like Goliath who's expected to win, and then there's David, the underdog. Um, but even that, that's that's not an accurate statement. When you look at the story of David and Goliath, David was never an underdog because God was fighting for him. And I should say David was fighting for God. So. How is it possible that david would be the underdog goliath was actually the underdog in that yeah. story but regardless that that's an analogy that's used in sports all the time of the david versus goliath
0: yeah speaking of i actually had that in my notes uh, i guess you said uh referencing the sports metaphor uh you said you know quote this is the one that you expect to win and here's kind of the underdog end quote and i had a follow-up questions for that actually um,
1: go for it,
0: As a Patriots fan, are there any specific teams <laughs> or games or Super Bowls that come to mind for you that exemplified this example pretty well?
1: No, yeah, I can't okay. think of any. I know the answer you're trying to get yeah, me to say yeah, is yeah, versus <laughs> the Eagles, um, and that wraps up actually, this podcast, everybody. <laughs> yeah, but actually, I feel like it was a it was a it was time. I was excited to see the Eagles win, yeah. and just. I just want to remind you of what I told you at that time, Christian. Like, Christian wasn't working for the church, but we've had a good relationship over the years. And I, I just remember kind of encouraging you, I think it was through social media, like, oh, hey, just, Congrats. I'm glad that you guys won. Congratulations. Yeah. But just remember, stay classy now that you won. So.
0: so you do know an example of it, and that's the Patriots <laughs> Super Bowl. Anyway, I don't mean to deter us too much there. Oh, um, but you do. Yeah, but you do. I think I do a little bit. Um, So, yeah, so really kind of I I do appreciate what you said, though, that, you know, all along, David was never the underdog, um, even though outwardly or by people on looking, he appeared to be the underdog. Um, And so uh, you kind of mentioned your first point uh, in the sermon uh, is that Jesus is the true hero of the story that David foreshadows Jesus, that Jesus comes on the cross to defeat the greatest uh, giant. And so this whole kind of story Foreshadows this this uh, incredible story that is to come
1: of Christ. Would you mind um, speaking a bit more yeah, about sure. that in depth? Yeah. So I feel like for me, and this isn't a bad thing, so I don't want to paint it as a negative. But what I tend to do is when I read Bible stories, I tend to read myself into it. Like yeah. so, specifically for the story of David and Goliath, and I feel like I did this for years until I kind of got to a point where I was going, "Wait a minute, this is kind of a foreshadowing." And I think. Uh, even the book, Goliath Must Fall by Louis Giglio, it's a book in the small group teaching. I think that was really impactful for me to be able to kind of go, wait a minute. Yeah, that's right. Jesus is a foreshadowing of what Christ would done. But we tend to read ourselves into the story. And so many times I would want to read this and be like, I can be like David, right? All I've got to do is, is have the courage to, to show up against Goliath and the battle will be won. And the truth is that David did go against Goliath, Like it was his actions, but it was, I believe, not from a place of like selfish vain conceit, I can do this, but a place of righteous anger, I would call it, is in that he's seeing this giant. And then who is this, he says, uncircumcised Philistine. And that's not talking about his physical attributes, although circumcision had to do with obviously the the cutting away foreskin, like, We're not going to get into all that. Sorry, even if that was too much. (laughs) Like it wasn't about that, but it was about that act set aside and set apart God's people. And so that set them apart from other nations. So when he says this uncircumcised Philistine, he's not just talking about physical attributes. He's saying, who is this person that has nothing to do with God's goodness, that has nothing to do with God's plan, that is outside of the promise that God has made to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, and to all of us? Like, who is he that he should say this? So yeah. as he comes onto the scene, it's it's a righteous anger that God would be God would be put down, that God would be uh, defiled or not defiled, but he would def- defy God and the armies of the living God. So yeah. I think that as David comes on the scene, he's got a different view, a different perspective, and that he is he is going to battle, and it's not about him. It's still about the honor and glory that should be given to God alone. Yeah. So that's why I think that it's, it's easy for us to write ourselves into the story. And what I didn't want is that this to be another motivational speech mm-hmm. or to just for you to feel rallied up and then you can go do everything. A couple of weeks ago, I talked about Philippians 413 mm-hmm. it says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens. We talked about it here on overtime um, that it's one of the most misquoted verses because it's not just about you get to do anything you want to do, but, when Paul said that he was comfortable with whatever God gave him and he had learned to be content in all things. So therefore he could do anything like anything that God gave him, like all things were possible. Like nothing was impossible for him with God because he had learned to be content. So it's the same here. It's not try harder, work harder, do better. Don't do this. Don't do that. It's about recognizing that Jesus alone through what he's done on the cross has defeated our giants, that he has gone against them. And it's through his victory on the cross. It's about him being the hero of this story. And mind you, every other story, Jesus being the true hero and us walking in the victory that he gives us. Because if it was just David versus Goliath, there's no way that David could have done it. But David with God, he is, he's the giant, not this man that stands at nine feet, nine inches tall.
0: Yeah. Um, Thanks for that. And I think there's something about like, you know, we have the spiritual disciplines and I feel like there's a, a discipline behind recognizing that we can't always uh, defeat our giants that we need, um, uh, that we need to kind of find ourselves trusting in God uh, a lot of times to see these things through. And so um, you said uh, you said a few things about that. Um, and I'll kind of go through a couple things and then I have a question at the end. Um, so when we recognize and understand that we can't defeat the giants, we then find our advantage, um, which is a really awesome point. And then you also said, in addition to that, don't be the hero. Allow Jesus to be the hero. Don't try harder or strive harder to conquer your own giants, but lean on christ and so you're mentioning that when we recognize that we can't defeat our giants uh it is then that we have the advantage namely that we understand that it is christ who enables us and empowers us and helps us uh, or really namely defeat those giants on our behalf. And so I um, wanted to kind of put some rubber to the road here, and I know we still have a bit to work through today, um, but pragmatically speaking, um, what does it look like, like in the moment when we are staring down our giant to then uh, relinquish control, relinquish um, kind of our need to uh, defeat this giant? What Can you speak yeah. a little more to that? Because I know some people might be thinking of their own giants in their life, right? Yeah. Might be looking at their own uh, their own battles that they are kind of waging war against? What does it look like to allow God to be very much in the center of that and to trust that God is working in the midst of that?
1: Yeah, I think so the way that I think I worded it, or I would word it is that there's an advantage to disadvantage. I guess what I just simply mean by that is what that when you come to the end of like, there's no way that I can do this on my own, then that forces you to go, well, then how do I how do I get through this? How do I go through this. So for me I would say that grief is one of those things of going, I don't I don't know if I can make make it through this loss or this difficulty on my own. So therefore what it forces me to do is that it forces me to look outside of myself to find a solution for that. And and grief, at least for me, and I shared this again at the in the Philippians here. So grief for me is when my wife and I experienced a miscarriage. There was a ton of grief and I felt like I don't know how to get through this. The only thing I know to do is is go to the Lord. And so there's an advantage to disadvantage because in that moment I'm going, if I, if it's just on me and my strength, I can't carry my wife through this. I can't carry myself through this, but I'm so thankful that it doesn't just rest on me and my ability. So I'm going to God. So I think that for me, yeah, I, we're looking for very practical steps here and that's what they're kind of asking. I think that for me, the practical steps is that when I'm, encountering something that seems like a giant, I I almost have to pause and go, okay, God would not my will be done, but yours. And if it's, if it's very apparent, like if it's an addiction or if it's, um, you know, something that we know uh, our giant, that is this thing that has grown into a giant that's out of our control that we can't really manage. Like if we know it doesn't honor and it displeases God, then God help me to know what your will is. Well, it's, if it's something like an addiction, we're pretty sure that we know that God isn't wanting us to live in addiction and to be controlled by something other than his spirit, right? Yeah. So we know that there isn't like, okay, God, I'm not sure what you want me to do. But it's in that kind of pausing and going, God, I can't do this on my own. Yeah. I need your strength. I need you to go before me. I need you to fight this battle for me. And in that, I'm keeping my eyes fixed on you. Again, I think this has to do with perspective. I think the nation of Israel had their eyes fixed on the giant, but I think David had his eyes fixed on God. So my challenge for us is to go, hey, when you're facing a problem, challenge, something that doesn't belong in the life of a believer don't get so wrapped up in how big the giant is get wrapped up in how big god truly is that there is literally nothing that is impossible for him that he spoke the very world into existence that he hung each and every single star in the sky that he maintains life and he gives you know plants the ability to take in carbon dioxide and to produce oxygen like he gives life and life producing abilities to people and to nature and so when you're in a moment where you feel like you can't get through it, for me, it's, it's going, okay, take my eyes off of the problem and place it on the solution. And yeah. so for me, there's a conscious effort that has to happen in that. Like if I just kind of go about like my natural problem solving abilities, then I don't pause long enough generally to, to go, Oh, wait a minute. I should trust in God. Yeah. But if I can pause, reflect and go, wait a minute. This is how I should do it. Then I feel like then I can actually put my eyes on Christ instead of the problem. Yeah,
0: that's good. Um, I really appreciate what you said about perspective, because I think a lot of this, right, is on perspective. And I thought it was interesting, too, that you noted that that uh, passage, the author uh, goes into great detail about the size of. Goliath, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, even kind of uh, referring to metrics of like, this is how tall he is. This is what he's wearing, right? And I feel like as people, we do the same thing where we look at our giants and we start to describe uh, the uh, the scariness of it, right? Like, oh my gosh, yeah. this problem is so big, like didn't expect it to get so out of hand, right? And uh, in, in some ways, we almost talk ourselves down as we talk our giants up. Um, yeah, but you're kind of, you know, insinuating that we need to really consider, um, the perspective that we are taking. Right. Uh, I really loved your point that you said, it's not about the height of the giant, but it's about the size of our God. Um, when we kind of face our giants and approach them and, uh, seek to, uh, kind of rest with them. Right. Um, but I wanted to mention, uh, one thing that you were kind of saying too, it seems like, um, in the context of that time, whoever would have won this fight, you know, would have reflected on their God per se. Um, It seems like there was a lot uh, riding on this kind of conflict between David and Goliath. Um, Are there things that are at stake with our own giants today and how we choose to handle them? Like, you know, if how we choose to go about handling those.
1: Yeah, I think so. And that even goes to kind of the third point that I I mentioned over the weekend. And the third point uh, was that giants are defeated for God's fame and glory. I think that ultimately what's at stake is, is God's reputation. And, and let me be clear, like if we don't defeat our giants, it's not like, okay, God's bad and therefore like, but yeah. I think that there's a testimony and there's a power in the testimony of experiencing God defeat the difficult things in our lives, defeat the addictions, the problems, the the just giants in general. Yeah. And again, we didn't spend a ton of time like talking about giants yeah. um, because that wasn't the focus. Like yeah. I didn't want to focus on Goliath and the giants that we have because yeah. I think we can all fill in the blanks of what the giants that we face. We all have one or two or three or six or 12 giants that it feels like we're coming against. So even now, I don't want to talk too much about the giant but talk about the God that we serve. So I think the same stakes, like, so for the Israelites, it was, you know, the Philistines would have and should have heard the stories about what God had done for the Israelite people. And they'd heard his goodness and his faithfulness and they've gone to battle before. So this was not the first battle that they've, Seen So God had been victorious in that. So they had heard. So as they're kind of challenging the Israelites, they're challenging God. And that was evident. So God's fame and glory was pretty much at stake. And for 40 days, the Israelites and King Saul specifically did nothing. And so as David shows up again, a holy like anger, righteous anger is going, no, no, no. Who is who is this? person that has nothing to do with God and the things of God that he would defy our God. And so there's a righteous, a righteous anger there. And I yeah. think the same is true for us. The reality is, is that we can, we can live with our giants that we know shouldn't be in our lives. But I think that we don't bring the ultimate glory to God when we walk in defeat. Sure versus when we walk in the victory that god has given and overcome those things don't get me wrong i'm not trying to say that it's easy like it's difficult like i'm not trying to make it light to go oh well if you have addiction just choose to not have an addiction that's not what i'm saying at all but when we walk in that victory that god has given in addiction or whatever other giant that you face like as you walk in that man there is a testimony that shows and proves how good God truly is. Sure. God is still good even if you walk in defeat. If you choose to walk in defeat, he's still good. However, that's just a, a so much more powerful testimony of who God is and what he can do when we walk in the victory that he has. Yeah, that's
0: good. Um, I, I uh, As you were kind of sharing a little bit about that, it, um, I was kind of reminded of some other things that you're saying regarding uh, how it is that David uh, kind of Approach this situation how he perceived it and you kind of noted the dichotomy dichotomy is a fun word I use it to sound so much smarter than (laughs) I am
1: you do sound really smart. I'm sitting here going wait Do I even know what that? Yeah,
0: I'm just gonna say it a bunch of times Um, But there's (laughs) you mentioned the dichotomy or the comparison or the contrast between how David approached the situation and how a lot others didn't so there's kind of this um, unexplainable confidence that this small young man had Uh, as he kind of uh, approached Goliath, uh, which contrasted with the fear of all of these other people. You could say even the author probably, when he's sharing all of these details about Goliath's size, he was probably noting that like, this guy's a big guy, like not many people can face him. Um, And so maybe this was a a tool that, you know, David was really good at, just seeing things in such a way uh, to have confidence to trust in God. Um, what what might I guess how do you think we can approach um, this confidence that David has? Um, because I feel like had he not had that confidence, would this you know would this have been the same story? Would the outcome have been the same? What could we do to like David, um, kind of approach our giants with such profound confidence as opposed to fear? Yeah. And I know you spoke a little bit about fear and confidence too. I'd like if you want to speak um, more about that, I invite you to as well.
1: Yeah, so I think this even goes back to what what I was mentioning. I think that the reason why David had a different approach is because I truly believe that he had encountered and he had experienced God. Like, it was in those, uh, what one commentary referred to as the silent years, but we don't see much yeah. about David's growth. Like, when we first see him in in, um, in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 16, it's, it's basically Samuel goes to the, the household of Jesse, and... God is going to anoint the next king. And so Jesse brings all of his sons and lines them up in front of Samuel. And God tells Samuel, nope, 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 nope. Gets all the way down. And then he's like, all of the boys are there, supposedly. And (laughs) Samuel's like, okay, uh, it's none of these. Do you have any other sons? And Jesse's like, oh yeah, well, there's David, but he's out in the field. Like, I mean, talk about forgotten, like feeling rejected. Like your own father doesn't call for you like, Uh, maybe that's reading into it, but like, man, that, that seems pretty hurtful. Like your dad doesn't want to call you in. Like, shouldn't that have been the first thing? Like, Hey, one of my sons might be the next King. Let's gather all of them. He's like, no, no, no. Here's the kids that you want to pick your King from. Like here, here's the King pool. And then there's David, like just the shepherd. (laughs) Yeah. So, but I think it was in that shepherding that, that David had experienced God. And what's so beautiful is that we can see the Psalms where David is talking about God's glory and splendor. Like we get an in-depth look at David's life and his his worship. Like even Psalms 119, the longest uh, chapter in the Bible, like is all about David's love for God's word. Like I love the Bible, but I don't know if I could write as much as David <laughs> does about yeah. God's word. Like, way long. man, he, he's just got this, this passion and desire to and and uh, to experience God's word and, yeah. and experience him. And I think that stems from these early years where he experiences God in all of creation. And he experiences God in, I, I talked about it over again, where he experiences God, the, the majesty and the glory through his voice in thunder and his, his glory in just living out in the open and experiencing him. So I think that for us, like, how do we experience confidence? I think that we experience confidence in Christ by experiencing him. Yeah. And I think while David may have saw all of that in his, uh, like in, in nature, I think we can see that in nature too. Like yeah. there's something about it. Like I remember standing at the Grand Canyon or not the Grand Canyon at the um, yeah, Niagara Falls. And I'm just standing there and just seeing this beautiful, magnificent thing that man had nothing to do with. Right. Yeah. Like, it kind of makes you feel small and insignificant in compared to who God is and what he's done. And so I feel like as David is shepherding these sheep in Palestine, like he is seeing God in his glory and he's seeing him in nature that declares God's goodness and glory. And in that, that's where his confidence grows. So for us, I would say the same thing. Like we can see it in nature. I think that we can, by experiencing God, we can experience the confidence that he can bring by being in his word, by spending time in prayer, by communicating with him and communion and fellowship with him. Then what happens is our confidence grows because again, we're taking our eyes off of the problem. And when we really know how big God is, Then we aren't so scared about the giants. It's interesting. The the last thing that I'll say is I use this as an illustration in another message. The way that the Secret Service, who's responsible for like counterfeit bills and stuff like that, like money, um, the way that they know what is a real bill versus a counterfeit is not not. Kind of looking and studying counterfeit bills while i'm sure that that's part of what they do the way that they identify and know real bills is that they spend hundreds of hours feeling touching touching i'll even say smelling i'm not sure if they're like sniffing it that seems weird but (laughs) they spend hundreds of hours feeling the real authentic bill so that when they feel a different bill that all of a sudden something comes off so they have their eyes fixed on what is true and real yeah. so that they can spot what is false and inaccurate and i think that's the same for us like we need to set our eyes on god and experience and encounter him and as we do that it's not the giant's height not the Goliath's height disappears because even as in in uh verse four like even as samuel the author it's believed that samuel was the author if i'm remembering that correctly even as samuel explains this like the Israelites have reason to fear. He's nine foot, right? This is a big guy. Yeah. However, it's not that giant that the giant shrinks. It's just that the size of God continues to grow, and yeah. in comparison, then it doesn't mean much. I, I do want to, and I don't know if you're going in a dif- different direction. Like, so I, I do feel like it's important to talk about. Like, so we're talking about giants, and I just want to, I want to talk through a little bit. and Unless correct me if you're going in a di- different direction, Christian. I do want to talk to you- like. I think that this is true of most any giants, but I think the reality is, especially in light of where we're living right now is, you know, the giant of of this racial divide, how do we navigate that? Because I don't want to seem ignorant of the fact that I'm saying that our giants are defeated. And the truth is, is that I think that it, it is. I think that ultimately sin is what Jesus Christ has defeated on the cross. And so our giant has, has been defeated. However, we still feel the effects and the consequences of sin in our world right now. And I think that that's part of why we see this racial divide. And that's why we see a police officer with his, his knee on a neck for nearly three minutes after loss of consciousness. Like to to me, that's unfathomable. Like, I I think it's important for us to understand that, you know, as we're looking about it, I don't want to be ignorant of going, well, we're talking about giants, but how do we conquer the the giant of, of racism? Like, how do we do that? And I think, I don't want to be ignorant of the fact of where our country is and where we're doing it. I think that our giant has been defeated yet. We still deal with the consequences of sin, right? Like sin is prevalent within our world. It's something that we will continue to, as believers, will struggle and fight and battle against. It's something that, you know, decisions that have been made and things that have happened, like they continue to happen. So I don't want to be ignorant that if somebody's listening to this in light of everything that's going on within our nation, that they're going, well, how in the world do you say that the giant of racism has been defeated when we're still feeling the effects of racism? Sure. And and I just kind of want to acknowledge that that is very difficult because Jesus did defeat that on the cross. However, we still live in the reality that people make decisions and choices and that sin, sin is still prevalent. Yeah. And I guess for me, what I would point to is there will come a day where that will be healed. There will come a day where that will be made right and that God's kingdom will come to earth and all of these injustices will be righted. Um, but for now, we live in the effects and we feel the effects of sin and the consequences of it yeah. and injustice.
0: I guess I was going to that was actually really good because you kind of prefaced a question that I wrote down that I didn't actually I just thought of um, because sometimes, uh, you know, how do we wrestle with those moments when and you shared a little bit about this already, so. You don't have to repeat yourself necessarily but you know how do we wrestle with those times when it seems that our our giants seemingly you know conquer us and so some stories that i felt you know i i was thinking about in the bibles like stephen the first martyr um doesn't necessarily end very well for him he's killed for yeah. his faith and then even paul he's jailed for doing ministry And so these are moments yeah. even in scripture um, and i'm sure we all have you know instances in our own life where we feel like the giant has walked away victorious But how do we um, reconcile those experiences with the truth that, you know, God has redeemed all things and is in the process and will ultimately one day restore everything that is broken, every pain that we have. So as a people living in that tension, um, how do we work through that? Because especially today, man, that's such a hard process to do when we see everything that we're seeing
1: unfold. And so... Yeah, I, you know what he? I what I'm hoping is that my answer doesn't feel like I'm, um, I'm patronizing, right? I, that's sure. what I don't feel. But I think uh, I'm just looking. I'm thinking of a couple different examples. Like in this story, I think what David cared more about was God's fame and glory than his own life. Okay, and so in that sense, he was going. My life doesn't matter compared to the fame and glory of God. And I think of. People like Stephen, who in the middle of his stoning, asks God to forgive the people that are literally killing him. They're murdering him. And that, like, to me says that there's a different perspective of going, hey, he's changed the way that he's looking at things. And one of the first examples that I think of, and I love the story of, of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel, where they are like, it's the fiery furnace. It's another one of those kids stories that we hear that there was three thrown into the fire. really fire because story. they wouldn't worship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then four were there. And so what I love is, is, is Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego's response to King Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, yeah, it is Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar at the time, he's going, our God, if you throw us into the fire, our God can rescue us. But even if he doesn't, we will not bow down and worship. And I think that that's almost the stance, like believing so much in what God has called you to do that it's, man, I I, I want to be careful because it's not sure. just, I think this is what God wants, so therefore I'm crazy. But they stood in what was direct opposition, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were standing in direct, like they knew that they could not bow before this idol because it would not please God. And so they valued God's glory Above their own lives, and I think yeah. that that's what we almost need to do. And I, I don't think that that answers the question. What, your question specifically, one more time stated, was what?
0: Yeah, it's um like how how we're to live in the tension of um, sometimes feeling like our giants yeah. won, um, but in all reality, we we have faith in a God who says um, He's redeemed all things, but He will continue to redeem what is still currently broken and we're and restoring it. Yeah.
1: So. so I guess my answer to that is, is the perspective of, of trusting God and having faith, that very thing that you mentioned just yeah. now, like having faith that it's like, I believe that God will do this, but even if he doesn't, I think that God is good and he's just, and he's right. And I choose to place my life in his hands. Like, yeah. I, And that's what I'm nervous for, that it feels like it's just a simple kindergarten answer like, cause that's not very pragmatic in the sense that it's not step one, do this step two. Yeah. But it's just, it's, uh, I just think of the biblical examples. Like we just mentioned that yeah. it's, man, there was, they knew what they were supposed to do and they did it. And even if God didn't come through, I think that they would have been okay. And some of those stories like Stephen, Stephen did die as a martyr. Um, but Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, God shows up. Like as we see in this story, David, God shows up. Yeah. So it doesn't mean just because you are defeated, it doesn't mean that God isn't there. Yeah, We don't always know what God is doing. We don't know the sure. plans that he has. We don't know how he's doing things. I feel like a lot of the things in my life that I felt like I didn't know how God would redeem. God has somehow brought redemption to yeah. and used that. Sometimes he's used the pain that I've gone through for his glory and years down the road i can be like oh i wonder if this is why god allowed me to experience that so that i can speak from a place of experience now or i can you know understand this or that like yeah i don't know i feel like i halfway answered that question but yeah i
0: know that's good and i think there's a um- what we see in some of the stories too, I, I thought it was cool that you brought up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because they were standing up for the kingdom of God, right? They were mm-hmm. standing up against the evil uh, principalities and this idea that there's another God who's worthy of our praise. Right. They they stood in um, uh, in obedience to Christ, saying, "This is the kingdom that we are a part of." Uh, and in some ways, and I don't, you know, I don't want to draw parallels that aren't there, yes. but in some ways, like God invites us today to. Um, to stand up and bring about the, the culture of the kingdom that will one day be fully established uh, which yeah. is why i think as a church we have made statements against racism because that's not a part right. of the kingdom from the beginning of scripture to the end and so um i think i like the idea of like pressing on even uh, you know pressing on with christ in confidence even in the face of opposition per se i don't know or do you have any thoughts
1: hey, there? Yeah, no, I agree. And I, I think also part of that too, is in a humility too. Like, For I don't sure. think that it's, there's a confidence. Yes, but it's not an arrogance. I yeah, think that absolutely. we can, we can border that pretty quickly, or at least I'll say from my personal experience, I can go from confident to arrogant real fast. Um, <laughs> uh, unashamed, Like I'm ashamed at how fast I can go from confident to arrogant yeah. real fast. But I think that that's even it is that in humility, it's still being confident of who God is and in, in a almost submissive nature, but yet unshaken in who God is. Yeah. Uh, that's the only thing that I would add to that. It's not a, a defiant, angry, like I'm going to do this. And yeah. you're like, it's, it's not screaming and shouting, but yeah. in, in a way it's just a humbly going out. This is my conviction and I can't be dismayed from it. Yeah. Like I'm not trying to cause trouble, but I, I won't worship your gods. Yeah. I, I just can't. Yeah. So do what you will do what you must, but I cannot worship another God. Yeah,
0: man, that's good. I appreciate it. I know uh, we're venturing into some really difficult territory, but really important <laughs> stuff. And
1: uh, yeah, I'll just say this too, for anybody listening that you have questions, like email us over time yeah. at church. like love to be able to answer them and work through them even through next week's podcast or Probably not now because I don't have my email open because we're doing this over Zoom. But yeah, yeah. email us if you've got questions you want a discussion. Like Yeah, let us know. Yeah, appreciate that. Um, Then the kind of
0: last question I have is kind of jumping back a little bit. I appreciated how you kind of talked about um, you made reference to kind of this past that David had that prepared him for this moment. Um, You know, it wasn't overnight that he... Uh, had this confidence that he arrived at this point in his life where he knew God and knew what God was doing and trusted God to the point where he could face this giant. And so um, it was kind of hinting at this idea of we have practice and discipline to engage in over the course of our lives. Um, you know, if you're new to the faith, it doesn't necessarily mean uh, like I mean, you're you're it's a journey where you learn and grow along the way. And it seems like David had a pretty good history. Um, with growing familiar with his tradition, growing familiar with who it is that God is to the point where he was at this point in his journey where he had profound confidence against this incredible uh, giant. So can you speak a bit about what that might look like for us today? Uh, You know, um, what the day in and day out journey, and I know you may have mentioned all this, so if it's reiterating, don't feel like you have to, but like, can you speak more about you know it's it's not something that'll happen overnight, right? Uh, yeah. What does that look like?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I feel like I, I can pick up what you're putting down. Like, cool, I, cool. I think the reality is that, especially as uh, in the world that we live in, I, I want to say that we want we want a microwave faith, mm. as in you put it in, you hit the button, hit start, in 30 seconds, it's hot, ready, and you're good to go. Ready to go. And <laughs> and we tend to glamorize, like we want to think of David as just this silly little shepherd boy that knew nothing and did nothing and didn't encounter or experience anything that he went against Goliath. And, and that's not necessarily the case. Like David's faith was tested. I'm sure time and time again, his, his, his faith was tested through encounters with wild animals that he was responsible for sheep to, to save his sheep. So like, so there was a a faithful process that David had to live through, I think, to get to the point where he was able and ready to face Goliath. And even, even in that, the argument is that if, like, so this story of David Goliath, he defeats Goliath. And if he was made king right then, I think David, by his life and the example that we see in First and Second Samuel, David wouldn't have thought that he was ready. Because even years later, as Saul is pursuing him, trying to kill him, David is going, no, 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 Saul is the king. I will not be the king. In fact, even David kills the messenger that comes and says that he killed Saul. And he's going, you weren't afraid to kill the Lord's anointed? Like, so that messenger had a very bad day. Like, I mean, his (laughs) life ended. So like David, I feel like was a picture. And this is probably just my interpretation of it. David, I think, was a picture of continually growing and continually being faithful in what God had given him right then. And I think that that is a big picture of what we need to do is that we need to be faithful in the small things. Wherever God has placed, you be faithful in that. Even when you look at the story of, of Joseph in the Bible, like David was faithful to the point that when he was put in Potiphar's house, when he was sold into slavery, that he was faithful and he ruled then his house, Potiphar's house and everything flourished. And then he's accused of this horrible thing and he's thrown in jail and then he's faithful in jail and he's running the jail to the degree that then he's told about in Pharaoh's kingdom. And he's now he's he's second only to Pharaoh. So he's faithful in the small things. And I think that that's probably a picture of what we see for David. David was faithful with the things that were seemed small and insignificant. And in that those things grew into a faith to where eventually he was able to be that God anointed him the next king. Of Israel. Now, I also don't want to lose fact that in First in Samuel 16 is that when David was anointed, the Spirit of the Lord comes on David. So I don't want to make light. Yeah. God was clearly with David yeah. and enable him to do these things. So I'm not saying if you're faithful in small things that you'll all of a sudden be able to be a king one day. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that be faithful to what God calls you to do, even in the small things, and I promise at the end of your life you won't regret it because you'll be able to be heard, you'll be able to be told by God himself, well done, good and faithful servant. And that's, that should be the goal of every Christian, not to be the king, not to be the next, you know, big person, but to just simply be faithful in whatever God has called you to be. If that's faithful in just being a shepherd boy, then just being a shepherd boy. But if that's in faithful of being a king, obviously I'm using David's life as an example, then being faithful in the king. Yeah,
0: that's good. That's really awesome. Um, Yeah, I appreciate that. Thanks for kind of diving into that. Um, man, that's all the questions I have. We have about uh, let, just under 10 minutes to go. Is there anything else um, that you wanted to share that you did not have the chance sure. to share over the weekend?
1: Yeah, so there was two things that I kind of left out of my, my notes. Um, one of them was just uh, – one was honestly I couldn't find enough content to to really feel confident in it being like absolute truth because I wasn't sure. Yeah. Um, and then the other one was just, uh, just didn't have time. Like we were going through 55 verses. We're talking about the upcoming, you know, drive-in service. So I just didn't have time. One would have been like if I could have, I would have wanted to contrast and compare Saul and to David, because it's interesting that what we learn about King Saul, King Saul was the very first king of Israel. And when Saul is anointed king, it's said that he's a whole head taller than anyone in Israel. And so, on some level, you might be able to argue that. Saul, in a sense, is a pretty big, maybe physical presence. Like, he, in a sense, could have been argued that he was a giant as well. And so it's interesting when you look at Saul, who was afraid and terrified, but also Saul was the king. He was the one that was anointed by God. And even though their king was truly supposed to be God himself, Saul was the the human representative, if you will, of God's people. And so Saul's responsibility would have been to go fight the battle. So as Goliath steps out, I think you could probably argue that Saul should have been the one that said, I will go fight for him, like leading his nation, leading his people, like leading God who's given him authority and ability to do this. He should have probably been the one to step out. However, it was David It was, that God had brought to the battle and decided to do that. And then there was also an interesting thing um, that I read about when, when Saul gives up his armor and his sword specifically that, and I think they're trying to use covenant language, which blood covenant and covenant is, uh, there's way too much. We don't have time to try and get into that, but there's a, uh, there's a very deep, rich historical context of understanding what covenant means within the Bible. But what, what, by Saul giving up his sword, basically he's giving David his authority. Like that's what that would have represented. as he gives him his weapons, as he gives him his armor, in a sense, he's giving, Saul is giving up himself to David and saying, all that I have is yours. And so therefore David becomes almost the king in that. And it's just an interesting picture of what we see. And again, that was something that I just read through in, in David actually rejects that like david goes i'm not used to these and so he rejects like saul's giving almost of the kingdom to david yeah. david's going no no no, i'm not used to these and i think again we can see that as david kind of rejects the kingdom a couple different times because he could have killed saul who was his enemy but he goes no i can't lay a hand on the lord's anointed yeah. i can't do that and so it's just interesting to point out and compare kind of where david was at within his faith where Saul was, because Saul probably should have been the one to do that. Yeah. And then just the other thing that uh, I thought was interesting and, and maybe worth noting. Um, I didn't, I didn't have a ton of time to be able to research this fully, but one of the, uh, it was actually sit in front of me, the chronological study Bible uh, made note that it says um, about how, how Paul was a giant. Uh, and they say other old Testament sources are. um, some manuscripts of the, the Septuagint, which is the, the Greek Old Testament, and one of the Samuel manuscripts, as well as the Dead Sea Scrolls, which are huge instrumental for us to be able to kind of see the authenticity of Scripture. Yeah. They they point out that it says that Goliath was not um, six cubits in a span, but four cubits in a span. And they, they kind of go into it in an explanation of its this word sounds like this word and this word. And I don't know if that's true or not, but I yeah. just thought it was interesting that it's possible that they, Goliath could have been six foot nine, Yeah, but <laughs> archaeologists apparently have found, at least according to this, this study Bible have found that the average height of people was about five foot. So yeah. even at six, nine Goliath was still a giant and he still was a warrior. That's what yeah. Psalm 17, four says a champion named Goliath, like champion means he's undefeated. Yeah. Like this man is a fighting lad, like, don't find him in a back <laughs> alley. It'll be bad for yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. So, so I did think that that was interesting. More of a, a fact that I thought I could pass along. Um, I, I don't think it takes away from the big picture, whether yeah. Goliath was nine foot nine or if he was six foot nine, yeah. he was still a giant and he was still a force to be reckoned yeah, with. Like he was still, Something that the author and everybody viewing him would see him as a visual and a vocal terror, and they had right reason to be afraid. Yeah. And so, uh, those were two things that I just kind of i didn't really work into the content, yeah. just thought maybe if I had time, I'd bring it up. And that leads us to now,
0: yeah. Well, hey, thanks uh for sharing that. And uh, I guess yeah. we're gonna wrap up because the stream actually ends uh, just uh, in a couple minutes, and so, yeah. um. We want to thank you guys for coming out and journeying with us. I kind of see discipleship as just this continuous journey where we wrestle with things together. Uh, and so we appreciate you joining us to continue in that conversation. Once again, if you have any questions just about, um, just about anything, if it's specific, my doorbell just rang, um, yeah. uh, just about that never happens. Uh, if you have any questions about really, anything, he's
1: just got to go get his package. That's yeah, all that right? he needs. Right? Yeah. Know, so right? I'm he's, got
0: something from Amazon It's yeah. the
1: paper and it's finally, here. actually Amazon
0: has been like a, a bright joy in this whole quarantine. <laughs> Someone's here. So. Uh, but if you guys have any questions or anything, please don't hesitate to email us at info at church. And want to remind you guys once again, this Sunday, first time in like 12 weeks that we get to see some faces in person. So I invite you to go yeah. to www.clcfamily.church slash drive-in service to find all of the details about that. We still want to maintain yeah. some social distancing. So we have a lot of details about how we expect to do that. So go check that out and uh, hopefully we'll see you this weekend. But in the meantime... Yeah. We love you guys, and uh, yeah,
1: yeah. we'll see you. Hope that you were truly blessed by being a part of this conversation and yeah. and just continued prayers for you and your family. We love you guys, and we miss you all. Yeah, we will, uh, we'll see you soon. Bye. <laughs>